Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode six of the Two Pad Stack podcast. I'm Ace, alongside Burge as always. We're happy to dive in and have some conversations all about Boston Bruins hockey, New England sports. We're going to throw a little football talk at you today with uh, the regular season right around the corner and uh, a few other topics on the list here today. Burge, how's it going, buddy? How's your week been? Oh, it's been a great week. What is happening? Um, had a fun day today uh, with the boys. Coordinated three bath times for a toddler and two infants. It was a little bit chaotic, so I am excited to be relaxing here with you getting ready to dive in and record this lovely episode oh, yeah, we got dude. planned for you. Yeah, the Burge household is leading the league in baths per 60 right now. So, um, yeah, I don't envy that. I don't like bath time with kids. It is an absolute shit show. My daughters still fight me on it. They want to do baths. We finally gotten them away from the whole bath thing. My six-year-old absolutely hates the shower, but she needs to get into the shower more than what she does. But, um, yeah, it's a... Uh, the, the bath time was not not a fun thing, but hey, you, you kind of have to make sure your kids are hygienic, right? Do do doing one bath for one kid, I can do that all day. That's easy. Just throw him in the bathtub, let him play for a bit. I have to struggle to get mine out of the bathtub. He loves it so much. Uh, like your <laughs> like your daughter, he's terrified of the shower, so he doesn't even want to mm-hmm. try that yet. Um, but you throw. Oh, dude! If the water hits her eyes, it's like a horror movie. <laughs> Dude, the, the thing I, I I found that works with my son is, is he loves going in the pool at his grandfather's house. So I just say, it's just like grandpa's pool. And I just dump water all over his face and it, it got him laughing. He used to hate it like that as well. But now I just tell him, hey, it's grandpa's pool. Boom, just, splash him. just like Guantanamo Bay as you waterboard your child. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, awesome, dude. Um, glad to hear that you're able to settle down a little bit. Maybe have a drink or two while we're recording. Oh, yeah. Lord knows I am. Uh, selfish plug for the brewery that I work at, uh, Backhill Beer here in Rochester, New Hampshire. Um, not a sponsor. I just fucking love their beer so much I decided to work there. But I am sipping on the Triple Crown Blonde Ale right now, and it is fan-fucking-tastic. I'm going to so. have to get up your way at some point to uh, to meet up with you and try some of that beer because I love, I love myself some craft beer. My wife... We took the uh, the kids uh, with some of her friends and their kids. We went to Treehouse Brewing out in Tewksbury on Saturday. Place was a zoo, but nice. it was great beer. We had plenty of room to just let the kids down to play. So it was actually awesome. That's the best thing about going to a brewery. I have heard some amazing things about Treehouse and working in the beer industry. Um, we have a lot of folks that come in that are, I don't want to call them beer snobs, but they know a thing or two about mm-hmm. you know craft beer. And they're always ranting and raving about Treehouse. So when you ever do come up, make sure you grab me a couple of four packs and I'll trade. I'll give you some of ours for some of that. Um, Absolutely. Definitely happy to make that bargain. <laughs> um, in personal news, today was my older daughter's birthday. Oh, wow. So happy birthday. It still is uh, her birthday, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I officially reached 10 years of fatherhood today. Um, Quite the milestone. So- yeah, dude, double digits. I uh, love you very much, kiddo, Arya. I know you're probably not listening to this, but we do have some family members that do. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. We went up to Jay Peak in northern Vermont, and we did a uh, the indoor water park vacation. Um, ended up taking the tram all the way up to the top of the mountain. Had some nice dinners. Um, 
it was kind of uh for a selfish perspective there it wasn't just for her birthday we were also just kind of scoping it out because you know we do snowboarding and stuff Mm -hmm. um and we were kind of curious about you know the feasibility of us doing maybe a snowboarding vacation there in the winter um safe to say the place checked all the boxes and we had a wonderful time and uh we're looking forward to going back have you ever been up there no i've never been there um i do ski and i use the word i do ski lightly uh it's been a few years since i've gone uh but i do enjoy going when i do get to go uh but like i look forward to being able to take those kinds of family trips once my kids get older because you know how it is when they're small it's very difficult to do stuff like that and uh you kind of need some you need space because otherwise you're sitting in the room with two little kids the whole time and you really get no time to yourself to kind of enjoy the adult aspects of a vacation like that yeah, a hundred percent. And that is the one thing that is nice about not having to have the little ones that really kind of keep you limited into the area where you can go to. There's no real big excursions. You know, travel itself can be kind of daunting when you have infants and smaller mm-hmm. children. You know, when they're a little bit more self-sufficient, you know, I can just kind of like eat a bag of chips back at my kid and be like, here, shut up for like 30 minutes, have a snack, <laughs> yeah, exactly. open the cooler and grab yourself a juice like uh they're 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 somewhat uh sufficient at this age and sometimes i take that for granted Mm -hmm. but um i definitely also miss how fucking adorable they are when they're little i'm definitely not rushing the uh the toddler stage or anything like that obviously it has its challenges i thoroughly enjoy my three-year-old son right now he's an absolute blast to be around he's hilarious like you said adorable in terms of the infants dude i'm way i'm just i got six hours in uninterrupted sleep last night for the first time we're getting close to that full night sleep again. Oh, yeah. um, I'll rush through that. But yeah, I agree with you. They are super adorable when they're small, but can't wait to be able to start taking them places. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, as a as a bartender at a brewery, it's so funny when I see so many of these parents just bringing their really, really tiny children to the brewery. Because if you go back like 10 years, there was like a, a stigma about, you oh, know, yeah. bars and breweries and it would be completely unheard of for someone to bring a young child to a brewery. Why would you bring your kid to a brewery? You're just going to be drinking beer. Why would you be drinking beer in front of your children? And the amount of people that come into the bar now, the brewery is, and aren't even drinking beer. They're just here for like the ambiance and the vibes. You know, they'll probably maybe get one beer or two beers. Like the dad will be the only one drinking, Mm -hmm. but the whole family are there just to like, you know, you're allowed to bring in outside food. So they'll bring right. in their own like lunches or like their sandwiches or whatever. And there's their own drinks and stuff. But they'll just be playing board games and just hanging out in the brewery while dad has a couple IPAs. And, you know, it, it's just, it, it, I feel like overall the societal, you know, expectation and, and, you know, representation of what a brewery is in a community has drastically shifted in the last five, 10 years. You know, it's funny you bring that up because when we were sitting there on Saturday night, one of the other dads that was there, we were talking about that, how well, 10 years ago, this would be severely frowned upon. And I think it has to do with a generation, ge- generational shift too. You know, all of us millennials are getting up to that age where we're becoming parents or we've been parents for a while. And yeah, we're looking to get out of the house. And it's not like you go to a brewery to, you know, to get trashed you know, get housed and not be able to find your way home. You're there for right. the vibes to get out, relax, socialize with other people that are in the same, you know, situations you are with kids, yep. young kids. 
And especially when they're infants, it's so easy. You just bring the carrier, you plop the carrier down and you can sit there and enjoy it. You don't have to chase a toddler all over the place or anything like that. So it is. Although uh, I do have to say, I could use some of these parents bringing in their kids to, to employ a little bit more, I don't know, parenting. Because when they are on the toddler side, higher end toddler side, and you just let like three boys from the age of three to seven sprint <laughs> around my brewery while I'm working, I might lose my fucking mind if like I lose more customers because your kids are running around acting yeah. like it's the brewery Olympics and jumping over tables and shit. Like it shouldn't be my job to tell you, hey, could you please have your kid not be a little shit? Like, at what point are you going to step up and be a parent and be like, hey, Jimmy, calm the fuck down or you're going in the fucking car? Yeah, I mean, Treehouse Brewing, the uh, one we went to in Tewksbury, actually sits on the old Tewksbury Country Club. So it's a golf course. And, mm-hmm. you know, where you sit outside, it's looking right down one of the, you know, one of the tee boxes for one of the holes. And my friend's kid would keep running out over there. And the, the course was closed, I think, because they had some flooding that had occurred in the, you know, the last couple of weeks. And he kept running out there and eventually somebody had to come over and be like hey we got we can't go out there we're like we know it's not like my my friends were letting him go and not realizing he was going as soon as he took off they were running right after him and you know my my son wasn't doing that my son is a little bit more timid and cautious when it comes to stuff like that so he's a little bit easier to kind of corral uh at least at his age now we'll see what happens in a year or two but yeah i I agree with you. you if you're going to a brewery to a place you know of business you got to control your kids that goes for saying you know anywhere you take your kids right well, I think it's just a lot of these parents, they they employ this hands-off strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that I'm not I'm not suggesting that you beat the shit out of your kids. Let's make no. that abundantly clear. <laughs> but you need to be able to discipline them, whether that's verbally or, you know, from, you know, withdrawing something that they enjoy, something along those lines. But um, it, it seems like a lot of these parents just don't, do anything with these kids like maybe these these dads were the guys that just wanted to come in and have three double ipas and disassociate from the world that they're living in and just let their kids do uh brewery olympics but gonna do that get a sitter (laughs) yeah no shit they don't want to pay for a sitter though oh man yeah um but yeah it was a it was a good time um I uh, enjoyed our our long weekend here. I took today off of work, so I ended up streaming some WoW hardcore classics. So Did shout out to again? the nerds. I didn't. I'm still alive with this character. I'm uh, I'm leveling up a human mage named Marshy. So uh, <laughs> we got Brad Martian and his uh, beak still uh, casting firebolts here <laughs> in uh, the Eastern Kingdoms. So yeah, we're still we're still going, baby. Hashtag staying alive um but yeah it was a it was a good weekend what else did you do i mean we uh you know yesterday we kind of hung around with the kids you know uh, we, we we try to take our downtime where we can get it i mean we're we're still dealing with like i told you with the sleep deprivation um and all that from having the two infants this morning we actually got up and went out we went to uh this little cafe that we uh first time we went there it's geared towards parents with small children you go there, you get breakfast and coffee. You can kind of sit around. They have a whole bunch of toys, a whole play area for the kids. So we went there. We had the infants in the carriers. They slept pretty much the whole time we were there. We had to feed them once, but it was very easy to do. And our toddler just ran around, played with a bunch of other kids. And it was actually, it was very relaxing, at least, 
awesome. that hour or two that we were there. And then, you know, we come home and I'll help break loose with bath time. So <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's great, dude. I'm glad to hear that you're able to do that. It's always fun. Like, you know, when you're a parent, just kind of sitting back and seeing how your child like interacts with other children, mm-hmm. see what kind of like behaviors they've picked up or something that they've come up with on their own. Um, Cause I can always kind of like just stand back and see how my kids become that kind of humorous, you know, sense of humor, entertainer, joker in, in the group. And I'm like, Oh man, like what have I done? These kids have picked <laughs> this up for me and I can literally see my, my, my wife's always like pointing at me. She's like, she's like, Ace, this is this. That's you. These are your fucking kids. <laughs> And, and and then whenever they get into fucking trouble, whenever they're messing around, it's never my wife's kids. It's it's Ace, your daughter did this, your daughter did that. I was like, listen, I didn't poop these kids out. I saw them come out of you. Like they're your daughters too. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't pin this all on me. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. No, I mean I get some of that too. I mean, we're at the stage now where we have to watch our mouths around our son because he is repeating everything that I say. And there's been a few times where I've let, you know, a damn or shit or fuck slip out. And he said it. And I have to turn to him and be like, whoa, that's not a good word. You don't repeat that. Daddy said that by accident. And everything. It's everything. Now I say, oh, my God. He says, oh, my God. Just yeah. for no reason. And I'm like, oh, man, what am I doing? And it's every time like I stub my toe, I realize I got to really watch what I'm saying. Because I'm one of those people when I stub my toe, I get really, really Oh, angry. yeah, dude so mad and i don't have no filter at that point and uh actually last week i actually did it and i actually restrained myself because i saw my son there and i'm like well i can't do this because i really don't want to deal with the repercussions of having to teach him that that word is bad or the you know the the stare downs from the wife saying why did you do that why did you do that (laughs) yeah so yeah it's, it's 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 a lot of fun trying to you know make all that stuff happen and you go from being like fuck to oh fiddlesticks (laughs) you like like your grandfather you know my grandfather would say that all the time and yeah i i i I see myself turning into my dad and my and my grandfather you know every day that i'm now a parent and oh yeah you know my son's gonna be a class clown i can tell he's always a giant goofball and you know Mm -hmm. i see him walk you know interact with kids as well and he he does really well with it at least at this point he's just turned three so i mean i'm sure we get a long way to go so you know we'll see what happens yeah have you uh have you watched bluey at all we're not real into bluey um where my son is big into coco melon still so he loves all the music and every time we watch tv it's coco melon this coco melon that lately it's coco melon like straight up i'm not gonna lie to you fuck coco melon like i can't stand that shit if i heard that fucking song one more time i was gonna find the nearest place to off myself (laughs) Like it just wasn't it wasn't doing it for me. Now, Bluey, let me just say, like, this is a show that my wife and I will literally prefer to have on. Like we will not not even prefer. Like, that's using the wrong terminology. Bluey is a show that we will actually enjoy watching with the children. And that's because they have a lot of topics in it that are um catered towards the adult audience. Like, for example, one of the episodes is all about um the kids using their imagination bluey and bingo are the two kids and uh the parents bought a a piece of furniture from in this universe's version of ikea and 
you know, Bandit and Chili, who are the mom and dad, uh, or the dad and mom, um, they are very much struggling to put this fucking piece of furniture together. <laughs> and I absolutely so relatable. Just I placed myself right in that situation because we we me and the wife bought one of the IKEA beds with the drawers underneath it. <laughs> and we could not put this thing together to save our fucking lives. And I was getting so angry at the bed. And my wife saw how angry I was getting at the bed. And she like uh, thought that I was getting mad at her or something. So then she got mad at me. And then I'm fucking yelling at her because I'm more mad at the fucking bed. And meanwhile, my kids are running around with the box. And that's exactly what fucking happened in the episode of Bluey. Like they're building a porch swing. And... The kids are acting like the box that all the parts in the porch swing came in are like a raft. And they're like pretending like they're rafting out in the ocean or something. And yeah, Chili and Bandit are about ready to have a divorce over putting together the fucking swing. And I'm like, like, that's real life, man. Like, that's that so happens. relatable. Oh and my you know, God. when you watch all these kids shows and they show like the back of the car and the kids are in the car seat, everything is absolutely pristine back there um very well organized there's not no mess anywhere in bluey no dude like there are wrappers there are like cheerios there are melted crayons like that's just what life is uh life, nothing life is, is perfect yeah dude like it, it, you really just kind of relate to it and then they throw in that australian sense of humor um i just i love that show and i hope that your little boy gets into that stuff soon because it is an absolute treat to watch. Every single episode is fantastic. We'll have to check it out with them then because I, through the parental relatable items like that would crack me up because I would be like, that's me. That's that's you to my wife. I'd be like, that's you yelling at but, me for no reason while I'm trying to put a together a bed. <laughs> there's another one where they told the kids that they were going to go to the park the next day. But I think it was after New Year's and both Chili and Bandit are absolutely so fucking hungover and they don't want to do anything like they're like oh my head is hurting so bad i don't want to get off the couch and the kids are like this is boring why not and it's just like yeah dude like it's just just life man like it's it's so good i'm putting this on the list (laughs) good you and you and the wife i don't even know your wife but I know that that both of you guys, just from the parental perspective, will really enjoy it, especially as the kids continue to get older. I think we maybe relate to the show a little bit more because this particular family in the show has two little girls, okay, about seven and four, which is near where our girls' ages are at. So we always are like, oh, yeah, we have our own little, you know, uh, Bluey and, and Bingo. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk some NHL. Let's talk some some Bruins stuff. No big news whatsoever, really. We're, we're we continue to be in the uh, you know the slow season. Um, we are almost out of August here, which is a pretty big milestone for the NHL. Uh, September's right around the corner. We will see training camps open up in September. We will see the. Uh, the prospects challenge in Buffalo in September. So um, we'll have some on ice Bruins news soon. Uh, anything kind of coming to mind for you birds in regards to the national hockey league this week? 
No, I mean, just one interesting thing that was sent to me today kind of relates to the goalies. Uh, I sent it to you earlier as well is what Linus Allmark does with his goalie stick. Um, I see, saw he, he cuts a trigger notch in the paddle of his stick. And I'm sitting here looking at his stick and, you know, being a goalie myself, I'm trying to, sh- to figure out how he actually grips the stick. Because I don't know when you play goalie, when I grip the stick with, uh, you know, with my blocker hand, my index finger, which is, I guess you call it the trigger finger, is extended out straight. I don't hold the stick in a fist like, a you know, a player would. I extend that that index finger down, you know, the, the paddle of the stick. So I'm looking at this trigger finger, this trigger notch that he's got. I'm struggling to think like how he grips the stick. I mean, it's not the same thing, but it kind of reminds me, you know, the first thing that popped into my head was like a Curtis curve, you know, those old goalie sticks from like the nineties that had the weird curve. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. To sit flat on the ice when a goalie would go paddle down. It's not that, but like, that was the first thing that popped into my head. And I, I find it, I find it strange. It's interesting. um, But I'm struggling to relate to it, if that makes sense. So I always had my hand all the way down to where the paddle would begin, and I would have my index finger extended. Um, and I would wrap it around the blade of the paddle. Okay. Um, so that that trigger thing, that would have been really nice for me. I would have used that a lot. Um, I'm having a hard time kind of like explaining how my hand goes, but I see this and I'm like, yeah, that would work exactly the way that I held my, my goalie stick. Um, Speaking of Linus Allmark, uh, it seems like he is ready to go this year. Um, Mm -hmm. I saw him, he posted something on Instagram, I believe one of his social platforms. Um, the man is a artist with not just his play on the ice, but with his words. Uh, so he had a post that said, summer's over and with that, a new season is upon us. Long summer nights with a never setting sun alongside this furry companion are now exchanged with intense battles on the ice with fellow teammates. Lessons have been learned. Sweat has been poured. Tears have dropped. Laughs have been shared. New experiences gained. Old friendships will be put on pause and new friendships will form and continue growing into something bigger and stronger. And I am so excited about what life has to offer this winter. So our good friend over in Sweden seems to be shifting gears. He's moving away from that rest and relaxation that occurs in the summer. And he's uh, he's officially gearing up hardcore over there. You love to see it. Uh, when I first read it, the uh, first thing that popped in my head is this something that he wrote on like like AI or chat GPT or something like that. <laughs> that was the first thing that came into my head. And I don't want to take any credit away from him because, you know, he wrote that. That's he this dude's ready to go. He's amped up. And, you know, that's what you want to hear from your Vesna winning number one goaltender. You want to see him really, you know, get into it this year. Hopefully they do a better job managing him, you know, down the stretch than they did last year. Uh, but it, yeah. you love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about this. I know Jeremy Swayman was recently on um, a podcast as well, and he was talking about how excited he is about the season. So there's a lot of doubters, um, and that this this whole kind of mantra seems to be repeated across the organization right now. Of yeah, you know, we don't have Patrice, we don't have David Krejci. We expect you to doubt us. 
but you guys also doubted us last year and mm-hmm. look what we did last year um with that said they're not going to be the same team they don't have somebody recovering from injuries to to step up and take those um number one and number two center slots but um this team feels like they've got a target on their back and everybody's you know poking them in the back and saying hey you guys are the ones taking a step back you know buffalo detroit ottawa these guys are going to knock you out and the 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 bees i think that they have the right attitude mm-hmm. you know they're saying come and fucking take it like you have to go through us if you want to take away our spot we're going to take it so i'm optimistic um i think that they have that swagger that attitude that i think will be needed to be successful this year um also saw that jim montgomery um had recently provided some of his thoughts for lineups for uh this year and we got confirmation that yeah he's planning pavel zaka and charlie coyle as the number one and number two center so what do you think about that burge given what they have right now that's what i want to see them start the season with um i'm interested to see how zaka does in that role i mean former top pick in the draft you know not number one overall but uh, you know a top i think he was number top five he i was think sixth, sixth yeah. in the draft yeah. so you know he he seemed to kind of you know hit strike a fit last year here with the bruins uh you know after kind of being kind of an underwhelming player with the devils so let's see if he can take that next step forward with you know increased ice time and you know playing with the top guys uh coil you know he's been kind of the guy i think when he signed his contract a few years ago they had planned for him to be uh, Krejci's successor as that kind of that number two center. Um, so it'll be interested to see what he looks like in that role. I mean, he has obviously hasn't, you know, taken that, you know, that jump. I don't want to say to a David Krejci level, cause that would be, you know, kind of unfair, but to see him take that level to provide that, you know, solid second line center minutes. Um, but I, I love that they're embracing the underdog kind of mentality. I hope that it is an organization wide mentality that they're going to go into the season with this year. That's a good thing to do when you think you have a target on your back, you know, given you were the best team in the, you know, one of the best teams of all time last year and everybody's doubting you this year. Embrace that the mentality best team of all yeah. time. Not one of the best team in the regular season. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't get me wrong. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. In the regular season, but embrace that mentality. And, you know, maybe you get, you, you steal some wins, you know, you still have your, you know, your elite goalie tandem back there. That's going to steal, hopefully steal you some games this year. And uh, you never know how, how it falls. I mean, no one's expecting them to be, you know, a president's trophy winner this year. I don't think anybody would saddle them with any kind of expectation like that, but all they got to do is get into the dance and get into the dance like Florida did last year. And then you know, anything can happen once the playoffs Just punch start. your ticket, man, just punch your ticket. Yep. I a hundred percent agree um i and and the other thing is it's not just the goaltenders that are returning it's basically the same defense as Mm -hmm. well i mean the only big difference is going to be connor clifton heading over to buffalo on a deal that was was a lot of money for connor clifton wouldn't have paid for Um, that him here wouldn't have paid that for him here fuck no and it was funny they had uh i forget and apologies if any sabers fans listen to this i can't remember what the fuck your name uh your gm's name is kevin adams maybe is it i I think think it is kevin adams i just fucking nailed it never mind um he was saying on sirius xm nhl network radio in an interview that you know he thinks that because buffalo is where they're at on that precipice of taking a big leap forward he doesn't have to go out and grossly overpay players to deals in order to get them to sign in Buffalo like they used to. I was like, that's literally what you just did, motherfucker. That's what you just did. 
It's not like he went out and signed like a top tier, you know, guy. He signed a, a guy that right. played bottom six minutes in Boston. A guy that kept getting healthy scratched in the postseason. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand he won't be healthy scratched in Buffalo because you guys are fucking Buffalo, but like, it's you, you literally did what you said that you, you didn't have to do anymore. Um, and then we have Shattenkirk coming in on the third pair, most likely. I'd expect when you sign a guy like that that you're going to be playing him. Um, but that's. I can't imagine Shaddy's that bad compared to Cliffy on the defensive side of things. I mean, Shankirk was a top defenseman, you know, not too long ago. I mean, obviously a lot of the signings that Bruins had this year are guys kind of in the twilight of their careers, I guess you could say, but they're all guys that were former, like, you know, really good players in the league. And if they can, they're trying to get out whatever they have left, you know, in the tank for those guys. And if they can get yeah. that out this year and kind of put it together for that one year, that's when noise gets made. Absolutely. Uh, my final Bruins note is that Brad Martian is just like all of us. My buddy um, who lives down in the Massachusetts, Boston area, I don't do that so I can say down there. Um, he was at the 99 restaurant with his family and he saw Brad Marchand walk in with his family. And just like every other fucking mass hole, Apparently, Brad Martian just likes to have a pint and uh, have dinner with his family at 99. Never would have imagined a professional athlete go to the 99 restaurant for dinner. But, um, hey, it's a good good family vibe. And it was kind of funny to hear that story that, you know, Marshy was, uh, you know, grabbing some of the popcorn and a brewski. Got to love that free 99. popcorn. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Bruce, guess what? It's almost football season, dude. You know, preseason's done. What are your initial thoughts about the Pats? Cautiously optimistic would probably describe it the best. Um, I don't really have any expectations for them this year. Uh, obviously, I want to see them get in the playoffs and win a playoff game that they haven't done in you know four years. But I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I like the coaching changes they made in the offseason, you know, bringing in Bill O'Brien to be the offensive coordinator and, uh, you know, some of the rookie receivers they've dra they drafted uh, seem to be hitting their stride in training camp. So there's a little bit of optimism there. Love the running backs with Zeke getting signed, you know, the backup Stevenson. I, I think their defense is going to be, you know, again, maybe one of the top five defenses in the league. I'm really happy, you know, to see what, where they go from here. Uh, they got a lot of stud talent that they're going to end up having to pay, you know, after, you know, next season. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I want to say I, want to say they're going to get 10 wins, 10 wins, 11 wins would be nice. They're in a gauntlet of a division with Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't, I'm not going in with any expectations this year. It's uh, wasted a lot of blood, uh, you know, brain cells and everything over the last couple of years, really going in with expectations that they're going to be not the same team that they were with Brady, but be able to carry forward somewhat enjoyable product to watch last year that was not it with the way the offense played oh my god <laughs> but you know I'm, I'm optimistic and i'm looking forward to seeing what kind of product they put on the field i'm looking forward to them hopefully continuing the jets misery after they went out and spent all that money and traded for aaron Rodgers and did all that i want them <laughs> to continue their win streak against the jets it's going on like eight years now so i want that to continue i uh I really did not understand why we kept Matt Patricia in that offensive role for as long as we did. Like, it felt like every fucking snap, it was just going to be a screen to the left or right every single time. 
or like or a, an outside run. Yeah. Or just like a garbage running play where we get like maybe one or two yards, but chances are like minus one every single fucking time. Like you know, the only time I really saw them ever throw the ball or air it out or even let Mac Jones or, you know, anybody show what they had was when like when they threw Bailey Zappi in there and mm-hmm. they were just like out of fucking options. Um, yeah, it, it, I'm really, really glad they got rid of Patricia. I'm hopeful that the Bill O'Brien chemistry with Mac, I know that's kind of overstated and everything because O'Brien was only there with Mac for one season or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like having a legitimate offensive coordinator is going to be a nice change of pace. And and we really can't make any conclusions or, or jump to any conclusions based on what we saw in the preseason. Preseason football is garbage. Yeah. You know, they don't play any of the starters really other than like for a quarter at a time. I don't um, even enjoy watching it. I, I don't even yeah. waste my time. Yeah, I throw it up there because I'm like, I it's it's football <laughs> and it's still fun to watch. But then I'm fucking yelling at the TV. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> like, I'm not even that big of a Patriots fan, but it's the fucking preseason and I'm yelling about flags and shit. And you're just getting you what, warmed though, up. You're getting warmed up. Malik Cunningham is a lot of fun to watch. That guy's electric. Yeah, I, I hope he makes the team. I think that, uh, you know, if I had a choice, I mean, I know he didn't play a lot of quarterback in the preseason, but when he did, he was kind of electric out there. And again, take it for what it's worth with with the preseason and, and everything like that. But he brings like, that that running dynamic to that position, which is something that here in New England we haven't seen. And have we ever seen it? You know, you know what I mean? Like, Come on. Tom Brady had a mean QB sneak. Hey, he had a he had some good juke moves. I saw him juke out, you know, one of the best linebackers of all time and Brian Urlacher, you know, 20, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it was. But like, oh, no, you're making me feel old. I'm right there with you. (laughs) But just to have that that dual threat and even if they bring him in, you know, as a gadget player, you know, he comes in as like kind of that wildcat offense where he Mac Jones is still on the field, but he's lined up as a wide receiver. That that Nikhil Harry thing. Wasn't that Nikhil Harry Uh, threw the ball and shit? It was uh, Myers did it. Jacoby Myers Jacoby did it. Jacoby Myers, yeah. Okay, the other the wide yeah. receiver. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know shit about football, dude. But I, <laughs> Edelman I remember did it seeing too. some of that. Yeah, I do remember Julian Edelman throwing it out. He played QB back in the day, didn't he? In college, yeah, he did. Yeah. So when they brought him in, they had those plays dialed up, ready to go if they needed him. But yeah, it would be great to see them use him in some sort of interesting role even if it's coming out once or twice a game to take a snap or, you know, winding up as a wide receiver to catch a screen pass. Cause the guy clearly is athletic. I mean, after watching him in that one preseason game, the guy clearly has got a, you know, a step and is athletic and can play in the league. It's just yeah. a matter of finding a fit where you can put him. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And speaking of getting old, man, like I'm reminiscing back, you know, when I was probably shit, I was in middle school, dude. So I was 11 or so, maybe 12. And uh, I was a big Pats fan then. I didn't really know much about the Pats other than I liked watching them play. Um, That was kind of like when they were starting their rise again. Um, Drew Bledsoe was our quarterback, Mm -hmm. and his dad, Mac Bledsoe, came to my elementary school in Dover, New Hampshire, and had like an assembly and everything. It was talking about, you know, the power of teamwork and being healthy and exercise and shit. And I ended up winning a little Patriots football that was signed by Ty law during this assembly, which was really fucking cool. So I was like the biggest Drew Bledsoe fan. 
because I met his dad and his dad gave me the tie law football and he threw the football with us. And yeah, I, it was just electric. I was, you know, Drew Bledsoe was my idol when I was a little dude. And, um, then that game, I forget who we were playing. Um, it was a, a pretty important game. You'll know more than me, Birch, but, uh, that that play happens and Bledsoe goes down. He ends up he ends up being actually severely hurt in that situation. I Almost think he died. Like, yeah, some like internal ruptured organs and shit. But uh, in comes this little fucking pipsqueak from Michigan, this fucking Tom Brady guy. And like, I'm pretty sure like I was an emotional kid. Maybe a surprise. Like, like I, I I'm pretty rough, ragged exterior now, but. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I fucking cried when Drew Bledsoe went out and was injured, and this this fucking idiot Tom Brady goes in there, and I was like, I don't even want to be a Patriots fan anymore. Bring <laughs> me back, Drew Bledsoe. I like Drew Bledsoe. And holy shit, bud, I couldn't have been more wrong on that front. Holy smokes, only the greatest quarterback to ever play the fucking game goes in, and my stupid ass is crying about Drew Bledsoe. I mean, I was kind of there with you. I mean, I we're, we're the same age group. So Drew Bledsoe was the first NFL jersey I ever owned. It's the first one that I was given. I mean, I remember the 96 Super Bowl. I think I was in like second or third grade when they lost to Green Bay. I was devastated when they lost that game. That was my first real dive into the Patriots was when they went on that run. And when Bledsoe got hurt, I can remember – you know, I think I, when he got hurt that year, I it was like seventh or eighth grade or something like that. And I remember the ongoing debate that was going around Boston was, do you put Bledsoe back in or do you roll with Tom Brady? And Belichick obviously chose Tom Brady and, you know, the rest is history. But you can't help feel for that for Drew Bledsoe there. I mean, he just signed, I think, one of the richest contracts in the history of the league at that time. Lost his job because he got absolutely trucked, which – looked like it was a late hit out of bounds. I mean, he got absolutely leveled and guy almost dies, but I'll say this about Drew Bledsoe. That guy took that new, you know, get that demotion, like as well as any person or athlete a or competitor could do. I, I don't think I could, you know, have the personality to be able to take a demotion like that. I'd be so bitter and butthurt about losing my job because I got hurt and not getting an opportunity to get my job back. And, you know, he was a pro's pro, you know, you hear, listen to Brady talk about him, you know, anytime he's interviewed when, you know, he talks about Drew Bledsoe, you, you, you hear it, uh, what kind of guy in character Drew Bledsoe has. And, you know, it was a privilege to watch him for as long as we did. It sucked when he got traded to Buffalo, my most hated sports city ever, but you know, you can't help feel for that guy. And that guy got replaced every job after that. He got replaced by a younger, you know, more youthful the team was the team was shinier toy yeah the team yeah. teams weren't in a good place um i don't remember who he got replaced with in buffalo but he got replaced by tony romo in dallas which effectively ended his career um but have you have you happened to try any of his wine because you know he's a big winemaker now right i have heard about his wineries i i haven't had the the chance to try i'm not a big wine guy i i can't say i actually enjoy wine i'll, I'll enjoy a good red wine like with a good steak but um, otherwise, uh, I'll stick to my beers. Yeah, see, I'm not I'm not much of a wine guy either, but I owe my my wife a bottle of his wine. I told her I'd get it for her when she gave birth to our twin boys, and I still haven't got it yet. So I kind of got to get on that. Way to fucking go. <laughs> I've dropped the ball a little bit on that, but it's always been 
Drew Bledsoe's wine, double back winery. And uh, I'm excited to try it. I'm, I'm not a wine drinker at all. I'm going to get a nice red wine from, from his winery. It's, it's not the, the cheapest wine, um, but I think my wife's kind of earned it. Dude, if point. I wanted a cheap wine, I'd go get one of the fucking boxes at Walmart. <laughs> I'm good. Just like in college. <laughs> the Boda box. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, I, I, I hear you on the, on the whole Drew Bledsoe thing, you know, with Tom Brady, I obviously my favorite idol. I mean, him retiring was, you know, up there with, you know, Chara and Bergeron and all those guys, you know, ending seeing your childhood go for me. Brady was my number one. I've been a Patriots fan since That's he fair. came in, you know, You're, for, for, from the childhood perspective, I a hundred percent agree with you. You know, Tom Brady was that, you know, staple, of my older childhood, you know, being able to really understand what was going on. And, you know, that's really when I was kind of building my passion for sports mm-hmm. was when Tom Brady was on that absolute fucking piss missile of a career. Um, just absolutely amazing shit from him. But I've said this to other people and I've said it in the Slack. I, I think that Tom Brady really, my perspective of Tom Brady was tarnished when it became abundantly clear that he prioritized the Tom Brady brand and himself and his his business acumen over his legacy in the sport. And you and I have differing opinions on this, but um, you know he he doesn't have that you know decorum that I kind of associate with you know players that are you know legacy players and play with one franchise and are representative of that franchise. You know I'll always think of Tom Brady as a New England Patriot. But he won a ring with another team because he wanted to go out and prove that he still could instead of just playing it out here in New England. He could have stayed a Patriot his whole time, but I think he was butting heads with Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. And uh, it became a fucking pissing contest between those two. You know, I think Tom Brady thought that he was more important than the team and he wanted to prove that. And I don't like that. Uh, I, I will say this uh, I can remember the day that my wife actually woke me up in bed saying Tom Brady's gone. I was devastated. It was awful. I'm I'm not going to say I sat here and cried, but I was devastated, uh, you know, to the fact that he left and they were him and Bill were like my childhood, you know, along with Bert, you know, the Bruins players as well. But, you know, when Brady left, I I thought it was time. They obviously were butting heads and I, I fought Bill Belichick just as much as I fought Tom Brady for him leaving, you know, Brady just wanted to be paid like he was, you know, what he was. And Balachek and the Patriots didn't budge on it. Obviously, you know, in hindsight, looks like it was, you know, one of the bigger mistakes. I mean, the Patriots would still be where they are now. I don't think they would have won another ring if Brady had finished his career here. So good for Brady. You know, me as a fan of the athlete, I'm happy for him. But I'll tell you what, I never rooted for him when he was in Tampa. I was always like, I want them to lose. I This breaks my heart. It's hard to do it. I can't do it. Uh, especially given where the Patriots were during that time period. Um, I don't give the Patriots a pass. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I expected he was going to be better than he was when he brought him in, but that's, (laughs) I could go on, go on diatribe for, you know, hours about that. But, you know, now that Brady is retired and he's actually retired this time, I had a real problem with what he did last year where he retired and he's like, Oh, Hey, surprise. I'm back. He's like Brett Favre 2.0. And, you know, I'm glad that they didn't win anything after that. Um, but, I mean, he played – he said, you know, years ago that he wanted to play until he was 45, and he did it. 
and he played, he retired at a pretty high level last year. I actually did have the privilege of seeing him play in Tampa last, last fall. Cause I went down there for a bachelor party for one of my friends. And one of the things we did is we got to see Brady play Aaron Rodgers at, you know, the Buccaneer stadium. So that was pretty cool to see him in his last season. But again, him not as a Patriot, I made me want to vomit. I've lost a lot of sleep over it. I'd, I'd get in fights with my friends about it. Like, Oh, you guys, can you not root for him? I'm like, he's not on my team anymore. He chose to leave us, you know, whatever the circumstances are, so be it. But like he left new England and, you know, when he left new England, that was, you know, my childhood walking out the door. Right. Yeah. And I, I spent a decent amount of time in Tampa myself as well. My grandmother still lives in Palm Harbor, which is about 30 minutes North of Tampa. So I go down once, twice a year. And uh, if it's hockey season, I'll catch a, a game at Amelie Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fucking disgusted with the number of Tom Brady jerseys that they had in Tampa. And they were always up? like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady, Buccaneers quarterback. I was like, motherfucker, he's still like a Patriots quarterback. Like, he's never going to be known as the Buccaneers quarterback. He is the Patriots quarterback. How do you feel about the half and half jerseys that are uh, around there? You know, the Patriots. Yeah, those are vomit. Those make me want to vomit. It's like, dude, just pick a team. Like if you're going to go support Brady, you can wear your Patriots jersey to a Buccaneers game and people will know who you're rooting for. Like the half and half stuff, that's just a joke and a waste of money. And I think people that wear those guys are posers and clowns. (laughs) Like they're just doing it for the fucking attention. I feel like everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? I also, this is an unpopular opinion, I think, on, on hockey social media, but I got into an argument with somebody today. And I think the people that are like, oh, I am actually a fan of three teams in one league. I think that's fucking garbage. Like, grow a set of whatever genitalia you identify with and make a commitment. Like, you can't be out there, and I guess there are some people that do this, but I was about to say you can't go out there and be like, oh, I actually have three wives, unless you're like Mormon or something, or Polly <laughs> yeah. or something like that. But, like, make a commitment here. I, I can't even fathom associating my loyalty as I stand, or as I sit here in front of about 32 Boston Bruins branded things, pieces of memorabilia in my, my man cave here. I can't fathom saying, oh, yeah, I'm a Bruins fan, but I'm also a fan of the Edmonton Oilers or the Vegas Golden Knights. Like I, I can understand. I can say I like those teams. You know, I enjoy watching those teams. I'm not a fucking fan of those teams. I'm a fan of the Boston Bruins. Pick one team, show some loyalty, and and don't do this like, you know, you know, distributing of your your risk and and saying, okay, you know, if one of my teams don't do well. I have my other team. I can go to my other. That's some like loser behavior. I I agree with that. I will. I'm always going to be a fan of my teams, my teams where I grew up. They were always going to be my teams. The only reason I would push back just a smidge on what you said there was with, was with, I lived in another city. So if I lived in, you know, say I lived in Edmonton and you know, you wanted to be a fan of the Oilers. I would be a fan of the Oilers just because I've lived there. Would I be, like you with all the memorabilia in the background with my secondary team, I guess you could call it. No way. It's, it's always going to yeah, be my fair. number one, that my number one team uh, is going to be the team that I associate with. The Boston yeah. Bruins will always be my team. That being said, if I live somewhere else, I could, and I'm not saying this would actually be the case, but I can understand why people do 
end up getting on teams where they live and you're not going to surround yourself with memorabilia. You're not going to get attached to the team. Uh, I might say if the Bruins get knocked out, I'm rooting for the Vegas Golden Knights this year. And I have a That's reason. Different, though. Right. It is different. You're not going to, if, if the Bruins and the Golden Knights are playing against each other, it's an easy choice of who I'm going to be rooting for. It's going to be the Bruins, obviously hundred yeah. times out of a hundred. So the, the, the situation I'm referencing is an individual that I spoke with in one of the discord channels. And they're like, I would love it if the Bruins played the Vegas Golden Knights in the cup final because either one of my teams would win. I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, that's some fucking garbage. Like, if I was, hypothetically, if I had moved to, say, Denver, Colorado, I would probably enjoy going to see Cal McCarr and Nathan McKinnon play on a regular mm-hmm. basis. And I would probably be able to consider myself, and I acquiesce to your point, I would probably consider myself a Colorado Avalanche fan. But if the Bruins came to town, I would, if I have an Avalanche shirt, I'm not wearing that shit. No way. I am wearing my Boston Bruins stuff because I am at my core a Boston Bruins fan. And there's no everybody wins scenario. If you do that, I hate to say it. And if I'm offending anybody, I'm very sorry, but go fuck yourself. Like, you're a coward. Pick a fucking team and stick Mm -hmm. to your fucking team. Like, that's the beauty of sports. It's 95% defeat and pain and sadness. But that 5%, and I'm fucking really getting my percentages wrong here, but that 5% of joy and, and bliss is worth it all. And I will always cherish 2011 because of that that feeling of triumph that we got mm-hmm. when the Bruins were finally able to raise the cup. And I think that if I had three teams, that feeling wouldn't be the same. No, it wouldn't. And let me pose this question for you. Let's say a, a hypothetical situation, Patrice Bergeron, the end of his career went and played for the Vegas Golden Knights, would you consider, how do you feel about player team, people that are fans of players over a team? You see it a lot in the NBA. How do you feel about people that will follow a player around and just be a fan of that team? I think it all depends on how that player conducts themselves. And, you know, you look back to Raymond Bork, right? Um, Prime example. he, He was the face of the franchise here in Boston. And for one reason or another, mainly due to the front office, mm-hmm. we were never able to build a team around to supplement him to win a cup. And it is what it is. Um, we sent him out to Colorado and he wins a cup. And what does he do due to all of his roots and all of his you know relationships in Boston as an ambassador of the Boston Bruins? He brings the cup to Boston. Like that is the top tier example of rooting for a top tier person. Now, if you're talking about an individual, then and I'm not a big NBA guy, but when I think of an individual prior, prioritizing the individual, I think of Kyrie Irving. And I'm example. That guy's going out and he's like, I only care about Kyrie and whatever's good for Kyrie's brand. Like he's the guy that's like after he says to a stadium full of people that I want to be a Boston Celtic. I'm going to extend here. The very next fucking season, he, he's throwing a fit and stomping on Lucky, the Leprechaun, or mm-hmm. whatever the fucking name their logo is on center court. Like, 
come on dude so so that's my answer to you it depends on the character of the person and of the player if they were a true ambassador of the sport and the community that they represented like patrice was um i would absolutely support them it would absolutely fucking kill my soul yes, if would. i ever saw patrice bergeron in another jersey but i would still support the hell out of patrice bergeron if Patrice Bergeron played for the Habs and the Habs came to the Garden, would you wear a Habs Patrice Bergeron jersey and root no. for the Habs to win? Or would you root no. for the Bruins to beat the player? I would root for the Bruins to beat the player. I would respect the player if the player played well and beat the Bruins. I would say, that's the fucking player I loved when he was a Bruin. I wish he was still a Bruin. That's and the then perfect I would say, answer. Fuck the Habs. Perfect answer. That's see, I feel exactly the same way with Raymond Bork too. I remember watching him win the cup and hoist the cup live. And you know, to this day, when I watch it, the clip of it on YouTube, and you hear Gary Thorne after 22 years, Raymond Bork. I do that. Raymond me Bork. Up. It chokes me up. I do. I I still I'll tear up a little bit when I when I watch it because I remember myself as like that 11, 12 year old kid watching him do that, knowing what that man meant to this city. And, and seeing him do that. That's the only way that I can see that that is a, you know, an okay thing to do with NBA. You see it in the NBA. You don't see it a lot in the NHL. You might see it with the younger kids, uh, you know, with Connor McDavid, you know, the superstars, if they leave their team, they're going to follow that player to their new team. They're not going to be associated with a franchise and have the deep roots that, you know, say you and I have with the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so we're going to wrap up a little early this week here. Um, we've got some fun stuff planned for you next week on recording. We're going to be talking about our top five goaltenders of all time and throw out some, uh, you know, some, some, uh, shout outs for backup goalies that we really think of as uh, great ambassadors to the position in net. Um, we also have some hot takes about goaltenders from some fans, uh, and some listeners around the community that we'll touch on. But um, yeah, stay tuned. We uh, really look forward to having this discussion on a weekly basis. We appreciate you if you listen. As always, if you have any questions or topics that you want to have um, myself or Burge touch on, please use our uh, listener submission form that we have on Twitter or feel free to just send us a DM or tweet at us or zeet at us, whatever <laughs> strikes your fancy. Always be tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks very much for tuning in and we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take it easy. Have a good week.